Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, Provincial Affairs reporter Emma Graney. It is Friday, May 17, 2019, and this is the Booze and Business Tax Cuts Edition. With me today, my wonderful legislative colleague Claire Clancy. How are you, mate? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. That is a giant... Is that bigger than the coffees you usually get or is that the I've had two size? of these this morning already. What? It's a treat yourself day for Claire Clancy. <laughs> for two coffees. <laughs> Which means two large coffees before 9 a.m. or before 10 a.m. That's like a, a day that ends in a Y. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Elise Stolte, uh, uh, City Columnist. How are you doing, mate? I'm great. Excellent. Good to hear. Uh, you're wearing a beautiful pair of eggplant colored jeans. I love them. Like, I really love them. Uh, thank you. No. Thank you for wearing them. Uh, <laughs> is that creepy if I say that? That, that is kind of. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. They're just cool, guys. I wish you could see them. Let's and not launch any da- HR complaints today. <laughs> <laughs> I know. My day back from vacation and already there's a complaint. Classic grainy. Um, Dave Breckenridge, our boss. How are you, mate? <laughs> I'm good. I'm also glad the title starts with booze. It's yeah. Friday. It's Friday. the long weekend. hmm mm-hmm. I felt like culturally as an Australian, obviously I had to do that. You know, it would have been a lost opportunity had I not, and I would not be representing my nation in a very effective manner, you know? Hashtag stereotyping. (laughs) (laughs) All day. There's a reason they exist, Dave. (laughs) Um, All right. So we're going to be talking about relaxing liquor constraints in Alberta. Culturally, very much my jam. We're going to talk a little bit about what was announced there this week. We will also talk about the business rate tax cuts. So there was a a schedule of tax cuts announced earlier this week, and we're going to have a bit of a look ahead to session, which begins next week. Hooray! Woo! Session. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know. We don't sound as excited as we feel inside our hearts. Let's kick it off with booze. Dave, what do you reckon? Good place to start? I, well, yeah, it's, you know, it's 10 <laughs> o'clock now. The so liquor I- stores are open. Let's go. Um, <laughs> well, you know, so Jason Kenney, uh, one of the refrains during the campaign was he's going to end the war on fun. I don't know what <laughs> war necessarily he was talking about, considering that under the NDP finance minister, Joe Sisi was Mr. Party guy yeah. showing up at all the craft breweries yeah. and trying to loosen all these other liquor regulations uh, that... Alberta had so one of his t-shirts I mean his one of his catchphrases was beer is good and he had a fundraiser that was just a t-shirt with his own face on the front that said Joe Cece beer is good that's pretty awesome I mean you can't argue with that line of logic and despite any criticism that one may have against the NDP you you couldn't argue that they weren't fun Like they hang out at folk festivals. They had like their swearing in was a big party outside. With free ice like, cream. Yeah, everyone likes free ice. But anyway, so Jason Kenney said he's going to end the war on fun. And it today is the beginning of the end on the war on fun. 
So it's the beginning of the end of the war on fun. The premier says he's going to lift liquor bans in eight provincial parks where restrictions have been in place. Those include Aspen Beach, Miquelon Lake, Garner Lake, Dilbury Lake. I don't know where that is. Pigeon Lake, Whitney Lakes, Jarvis Bay and Wobbaman. Um, and he says, quote, the vast majority of Albertans who enjoy our provincial. Well, this is Jason Nixon. Sorry. They Wrong enjoy Jason. Our provincial easy, parks. easy mistake to make. Uh, do so responsibly. We should not punish the majority of responsible campers through liquor bans because of the past behavior of a few bad characters. And and these are, these have been in effect since 2004 under a PC government. Yep. Yeah. It's um, a strange. Don't you think it's a strange, a bit of a strange time to launch this right before the May long weekend? Like, no, it's the perfect time to launch it. Yeah, it's like sort here, of. fill your boots, guys. I don't know. Let's I'm see a- how many complaints uh, authorities get this weekend. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> see how many kidding. campgrounds burn. Well, you know, we'll see. Like, Aww. so if anyone is listening to this on their way out to the the provincial park this weekend, don't ruin it for everybody else, yes. folks. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. a good really good. <laughs> Indulge responsibly. But yeah, I think if there's any like tearing down of trees and stuff like that, that's, that's uh, it's not cool. Just definitely don't be a spoiler. Just mm-hmm. have a fun weekend. But it's important to note that this move, uh, as you said, it's the beginning of the end of the war on fun, apparently, which means that... Uh, I just, every time you say that, I just It sounds laugh. apocalyptic. I, it does, very, um, yeah. But Jason Kenney has said he's going to relax rules uh, to for things like festivals as well later yes. on, which would mean that you wouldn't have to go to like the cordoned off area in a festival to drink beer, but you'd be able to wander around the parks, mm-hmm. etc. So I think we will apparently be seeing more changes to liquor rules, I'm assuming, throughout the summer, but we'll see what happens. I think it'll be really interesting at the festivals too, right? Because you hear so many people frustrated at having to line up so long to get into the mm-hmm. beer garden and then you're chugging a beer because you can't take it out with you. That seems pretty dumb. But at the same time, I hope that the festival organizers have enough time to make sure that they have the staff on site to, to set the ground rules for, okay, mm-hmm. absolutely no problem to have one Two beer, whatever you can responsibly consume. But if you're acting like an idiot, chuck you out. Like if they can set that right at the beginning, maybe we can do this well. Yeah. The one thing I'm curious about, because the rules that have kind of impeded the liberalized fun. drinking, the fun yeah. at festivals have been around ratios of security to drinking patrons. It's a it's there's a reason that Interstellar Rodeo at the Horlack Park Amphitheater, which holds just a couple thousand people may have an easier time of doing it than Folk Fest, which has three times that on the hill at Gallagher Park. That means you, it, you know, you have to estimate how many people you assume are going to be drinking, and you have to have a certain ratio of security. And I don't have the number off the top of my head, but in in reporting I've done on this previously, um, liquor liquor rules and the war on fun is an issue dear to my heart. Um, <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> but it it was one of those things that had come up in Calgary. Sled Island was a festival that had a big a, an outdoor event at Olympic Plaza. It's a smaller venue than um, Prince's Island Park, where Folk Fest is, where you have, again, like 10,000 people to 2,000 people. If you have to have a ratio of security per drinking patrons, is that what the province is going to do, is get rid of those rules? What does that mean for security at festivals? Like, what? I want to see the details here, but I assume that that's what's going to happen. Um, and it may make it hard to police some of those bigger sites, even though I'm in favor of the move. Um I want to know what the details are going to be because it is a tricky one for festivals because they want to make sure people aren't overindulging, people aren't being overserved, uh, and people aren't causing trouble. And when you have a big site like I, – I know I'm using Edmonton examples, so for any Southern Alberta listeners, I apologize. Uh, like a, a big space like like 
Edmonton Folk Fest, which is a fairly large festival it's, it's, site. It makes big, it tricky yeah. to police. So I'm curious how they're going to roll it out. But I say have at it. I'd say it's well overdue. I think that people have been calling for it for a long time. So I'm happy to see it happen. I just want to know what they're going to do in terms of rules. And hopefully people can understand how complex that is for the festival organizers, right? Yep. Hopefully this doesn't set up an expectation that, oh, it's just going to be open. And then festival organizers are, are really challenged to uh, provide the security because they have really tight budgets. Yeah, so. for sure. I, I've been to a good number of music festivals in my life, and I remember going to one in Portugal, and and this is pretty much standard in, in like those mainland European festivals, is that people just walk around, dudes just walk around, or women, with like beer tanks strapped to their backs and then just refill your glass wherever you are. They'll come into the middle of a show, like into the mosh pit and fill your beer for you. And you give them your four euros that or whatever. That sounds so awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. I and have one of those for running. It's full of beer. <laughs> How far do you make so it? So healthy. <laughs> healthy living's important, Dave. Um, but yeah, I mean, because but then that but then again, I mean, it's a cultural difference there too, right? Like for in the Portuguese example, you can just walk around Lisbon, you know, with a beer, just you know, drinking it. Because generally speaking, people are more are less likely to be. Absolutely, and just dimwit when yeah, it comes to alcohol consumption. And that's to- I totally agree with that because I think, um, yeah, like I always think that the best rules around liquor are like when I was living in Paris, it was kind of just really awesome. Mm. You could go and bring a bottle of wine and like sit on a bridge and drink wine. It was lovely. But the difference is, is that North America does tend to have this very intense binge drinking culture. So, Australia as well. Yeah. And England. Right. And that will take yeah. time to change, right? Like it's possible to change culture, but... It doesn't change in one summer, right? So it's the beginning of the end. That's like he's <laughs> the premier's right. We're the beginning of the end of the war on fun. Just a message to everyone. Just have a chill weekend. Have a few beers in the park. Don't go crazy. You don't need to. But it's interesting that they're bringing in this change now, further to your point of timing, Elise, because, um, and yours, Dave, about the NDP, because the NDP brought in a lot of their liquor changes in the summer because at that point, you know, news is a little light on, everyone's outside drinking patio beers. That's one of the rules that the NDP changed was about rules around patio and very much relaxed those rules. Um, And, you know, yeah, that's the perfect time because that's when people are really sitting outside and actually consuming liquor. Well, not everybody, but, you know, it seems like good timing to me. Yeah, I I mean, the timing makes sense, yeah. It's one of those things that I think that as we see some cultural shifts in North America and, you know, obviously we have legalized cannabis now, people are looking at the idea of adults being treated as such and being allowed to have a little more freedom when it comes to how and where they might consume alcohol or cannabis. Uh, it's a positive thing, but you kind of have to take these things in baby steps. But we we saw this start under Alison Redford when she started making changes that helped um, bring about the craft beer industry in Alberta that really flourished over the last term of the of government under the NDP. They brought in their own changes to try and help bring this along. And so, you know, good on Jason Kenny for wanting to continue the work that was started under Allison Redford. Uh, and hopefully that, you know, you, you start to see uh, more of these laws change. And, and if people act responsibly, uh, we, we get treated more like adults. Mm-hmm. I, I will also point out that uh, in my time working in news, some of the issues around provincial parks, some of the issues around booze, sorry, have been involving provincial parks, but a lot of the issues around long weekend bad behavior have been in like on crown land areas like the ghost wipers area outside the parks. I just say, again, Albertans, if you're listening to this on your drive out to wherever you're going, don't act like an idiot because you ruin it for the rest of us. 
That's a really good PSA, Dave. Um, don't ruin it for the rest of us. Please don't. I want to drink beers in provincial parks. Sounds lovely. I want to well, have I mean, a wine at a picnic someday well, exactly. in a city like, park, right? You have not done that before? I don't believe it. Well, well, He's not going to admit it. Not on the record. <laughs> Out of an actual bottle that people can see. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to a, a red solo mug. cup. Yeah. <clears throat> Never done that in my life have I ever disguised an alcoholic beverage as a non-alcoholic beverage. And after that PSA, let's move over to the business rate tax cut. So that was announced this week. Obviously, another part of the UCP's platform was this idea that cutting corporate tax rates in order to create jobs. Now, Jason Kenney announced um, alongside Finance Minister Travis Taves down in south, south, south Edmonton. It was very far. It was south of Ikea. I didn't know you could be south of Ikea and still be in Edmonton. That's my hood, yo. Is it really? Yeah. See, I live downtown, so I just find everything across (laughs) the river very far. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so basically they want to roll back the corporate tax rate down to 8%. The first rate cut is going to come in on July 1st this year. So we'll be going from 12% to 11%, which will make Alberta the lowest corporate tax rate in Canada by half a percentage point. Northwest Territories and Ontario are currently at 11.5. And then there'll be another rollback, another percentage point rollback on January 1st, uh, 2020. What year are we in? Anyway, so there's going to be a few different pointed rollbacks. And it's uh, at some point, we end up at 8%. Jason Kenney says it's going to create 55,000 jobs. That's what the economists say, who he's relying on uh, in order to make this plan. So, um, who wants to weigh in here? This was a long-standing election promise. It was one of the first things they rolled out, saying that uh, by 2022 we'd be down to eight percent uh, corporate tax, um, making Alberta by far the most competitive tax rate in the country. The NDP, uh, an NDP leader, Rachel Notley, repeatedly slammed this plan, saying that Alberta already has a very competitive corporate tax rate, and that the um, the suggestion that it would create jobs isn't uh, in their minds actually true because uh, because Alberta people that want to invest here basically already are is the argument the NDP have been making. Uh, so it's been a it's been a very debated I would say uh, you know tax plan. Well, it's one of those economic kind of you know where where you stand on your economic outlook is whether or not you believe this plan can in fact work. Um, Rachel Notley also made the point when she was critical of this plan this week saying, well, where are you going to find the money that you're now losing in the coffers? Because even the UCP says, you know, we're not going to necessarily get this money back for a couple of years. So she's like, well, good luck then. I mean, good luck balancing the budget or good luck in good luck having the money you need to have for frontline services when you're going to take away a whole bunch of cash you're going to get from from and businesses. I think one question, though, is um, do we think that in two years this plan will change once we've started decreasing the corporate tax rate? Does anyone here think that maybe in two years we're going to see them get to 10% and say it's not realistic to go further to 8%? Well, look what Saskatchewan did. I mean, Saskatchewan did the exact same thing. They cut their corporate tax rate in order to try and draw investment to Saskatchewan. It didn't work. And in fact, Saskatchewan lost so much money from doing that that they ended up hiking the business tax rate again to balance the budget. So, I mean, you know, it really, again, depends on your economic belief system here, I suppose. But you're right, Clancy, because if it doesn't work, 
hey, Saskatchewan just went, oh, bugger, it's not working. We'll just have to go up again, at least. And there are, I mean, there, like, there are so many studies out there about all the different things that create jobs yeah. or don't create jobs, right? I mean, the other day I was reading something about how beauty, having a beautiful city attracts people and jobs. Well, well they should I, already be in Edmonton then. Oh, really? So it's a beautiful city. It is a beautiful city. It is in, in, it's our at home. times, in parts. And, yes. <laughs> Hashtag pandering. It's, uh, yes. it's all good. Um, right. But, but like, that's the point, too, right? Like, the cities get a ma- major amount of their capital budget from the province. They now have a, a deal in place through the city charter that um, ties the amount of money that they get in that main uh, main pot to the economy. So, you know, it's in their interest to help build the economy as well. But mm. but what are the best tools? And it's probably a whole suite of tools, not just having a low corporate income tax, corporate tax rate. I, no one should be surprised that Jason Kenney was going to do this. Um, he campaigned on it. He's, uh, I think, a firm believer in, in low tax regimes. Um, there's dispute over whether it will create 55,000 jobs. I should note that during the campaign, uh, noted U of C economist Trevor Toome, who hasn't been, you know, he's not like he's Jason Kenney's best friend, but he even, he even. <laughs> no. <laughs> e- economists, economists look at it as good policy. And he even said like, look, like, yeah, it could be very beneficial to Alberta to do this. It's a risky venture. It There's no question that a better line of attack for the NDP is to question what happens to the budget overall than to criticize the classism of the policy. There, there are people in Alberta who are across income levels who are just firm believers in having a low tax regime. People who have been around in Alberta since the Klein era who supported Ralph Klein and his uh, spending cuts and having low taxes and and like because he lowered it was Klein who lowered the business tax rate to 10%. It wasn't until I believe he balanced the budget that he did that, but that's something that he did. There are uh people who support that um who may not want to see programs get slashed or healthcare or education get slashed. So I think it makes more sense for the NDP to attack on a uh budgetary constraints. Uh, but that's what they seem to be doing. I mean, that's what Rachel Notley said. That's yeah, a, for sure, they've used yeah. the other argument as well. But that seems to be the most in the response in the press conference response that I was at. Anyway, that yeah. seemed to be the line that Notley was taking. And undoubtedly, in the fall when the UCP present a budget, that's what we'll be hearing about. Is you know there'll be accusations about I'm assuming the numbers not being right based on the corporate tax rate, etc. Yeah, exactly right. And that gets to your point about will they go all the way to eight, or as they roll this out. Will people start to understand the impacts? I mean, we'll all be watching to understand the impact mm-hmm. to basic services. And will they find good, smart ways of cutting the budget? Or will we all really start to feel it and see see the impacts and have a lot of pushback? Yeah, of course. And I mean, there's no carbon tax now either, which although it went into like mostly green programs, I mean, that's a whack of cash as well. Mm-hmm. They've taken down the, car- the climate plan, the climate leadership plan off the internet now, the new government has. So... Well, and it's, I mean, yeah, it's green projects, but it's also massive like transit initiatives that they've promised to continue funding. That's a really big budget item, like the West LRT and the Green Line and such. There's a lot of cash. I I honestly don't know where you find it, but hey-o, that's why I'm not a finance minister. Like that, that's something they're going to have to figure out and be pretty upfront with Albertans about. They they want to... uh, cut spending they want to cut taxes they they say they want to see businesses come in and invest which in Alberta which could lead to uh, more income tax business income tax revenue coming into provincial coffers if you get more investment in the province but it is a risky venture and they'll have to be upfront and say look this is how we're going to fund it or we're not going to fund it so you know I I look forward to seeing the the spending 
the blue ribbon spending panel in the report in August. I want to see what they have to say. And obviously, we'll wait and see what happens with the budget in the fall. That, of course, is led by Janice McKinnon. And that kind of came up this week, just as a side note, when the um, the Nurses Union of Alberta um, is basically trying to have arbitration now in wage negotiations because they had the three-year agreement. The first two years were a 0% increase. The third year was going to be open again for wage negotiations. So then the UCP have ordered AHS, Alberta Health Services, which is technically the employer of these nurses, to stop the arbitration. And Finance Minister Travis Tay said, yeah, well, you know, we want to keep all of our options open. He didn't say we're not going to cut their wages. But of course, Janice McKinnon, head of the Blue Ribbon Panel, wrote a um, a paper in 2017 with Jack Mintz, who's, who's an economist, saying, yeah, we should legislate wage rollbacks for public servants, for teachers, for nurses, for doctors, that kind of thing. So that's also where we're at with that blue ribbon panel was a fun little side note this week. So speaking of tax cuts, though, that is bill number three. Session starts next week. Yay! Look how happy we are. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) She said with a giant sigh. You both got some time off after the election, right? That was exhausting. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, went to the beach. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so session starts next week. Bill 1 will, of course, be the killing the carbon tax bill, which will also blow up the entire climate leadership plan. Which is, is it called the killing the carbon tax bill? Yeah, I'm not sure what the actual an, name of it is. An but... act to execute the carbon tax. <laughs> I love that. Make it as dramatic as possible. Yes. Mm-hmm. That'd be perfect. Um, that so would be it, misunderstood. Doesn't execute also mean like... To yes, that's true. Yeah, double Good meaning point. there. Uh-oh. Good point. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not as clear as to murder the carbon tax. (laughs) (laughs) Getting really dark there. So Tuesday, we've got the UCP MLAs all being sworn in. We also have the speaker election. That's always a bit of fun. Um, I know of two people running. We've got Nathan Cooper with the UCP. Um, He is a process nerd. Uh, Completely nerdly. He will. He will admit that. I'm not just you know trying to cast versions here. He's so deep into like how the legislature works and all of the rules around it. So he's running for speaker. Um, He told me he's pretty excited about it. He's really hoping for that job because, of course, he didn't get a cabinet position. I don't think he really wanted one. He does have a young family. But anyway, and he's going to be up against Heather Sweet with the NDP, um, who, of course, was deputy speaker during the NDP government so then we'll have a speaker um, and, of course, all the UCP MLAs who are not cabinet ministers will be sworn in as well. Uh, the calendar came out this week as well. Um, August 1st it goes to. Which is a scary date. But you said, I, I think you talked to Jason Nixon and he said they're hoping to wrap it up before Stampede, right? That's right. Because, I mean, you know what? If you're going to try and end a war on fun, don't have session in summer. Because Good that's not fun. It isn't. So that's how you end the war on fun is like, you know, not having session through July and August. Is Constituency Week mapped out for July 5th to yep. 15th or yeah, whatever? It is. Yeah. Sure Stampede. Is Stampede. For everyone's is... constituency is... Uh, Dave just put that uh, in air, air quotes. quotes uh, <laughs> the Stampede Grounds. That's... <laughs> exactly right, Dave. Yes. It's so that to flip. It's just so that everybody can go see Super Dogs. <laughs> Truly, it's kind of up to the NDP here about when things end up, you know, when they finish because the opposition is the one that can control the timing and Rachel Notley has said, the opposition leader has said, well, you know what, if there are bills that are trampling on human rights, on workers' rights, then, yeah, we're going to 
filibuster them. We'll use every tool at our disposal. So that's something else we can look forward to. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see how contentious uh, QPs are and, yeah, whether or not the NDP feel as though they want to filibuster issues. Um, I actually spoke to political scientist Dwayne Brad at Mount Royal University about that, and he was saying that one issue if if opposition does filibuster bills is that um, if it's a promise that was made during the campaign, then it is basically a an insult to the electorate to filibuster legislation that does something that was promised during the campaign. So it's likely going to be things that weren't promised during the campaign where the NDP might have recourse to use some of those parliamentary thorns. Dave, what do you expect from this session? We know Bill 1, carbon tax. Bill 2 is the Open for Business Act, which is... Um, oh, I asked Jason Kenny about this, by the way. I said, oi, have you spoken to Doug Ford about you nicking his slogan? And he said that actually Doug Ford took it from him. He had it first. So what, rumble what, in the slogan jungle. So just refresh my memory. What's the open for business legislation? So what is he looking at there? It sounds as though there might be the, the issues around minimum wage. So, for example, mm-hmm. lowering the minimum wage for youth. Um, there's going to be some issues around whether or not they keep changes that the NDP made when it comes to workplace health and safety. There could be changes for that. That's kind of how they're... They're phrasing this right yeah. now. We don't know the details of Bill 2 just yet. Okay. I, you know. Bill 3, oh, and Bill 3 is a tax cut, business tax cut. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out in the legislature. Um, we know that the UCP and the NDP are seem diametrically opposed on all of these issues. Um, so I'm curious how heated it's going to get. I will be curious to see if the NDP decides to filibuster on any of them, because these are all, again, as as you said, Claire, these are all things that the UCP campaigned on um, and voters gave them not just a majority in the House, but a majority uh, of votes. And so it's kind of like, well, it's our weird Westminster, Westminster <laughs> system. You want a majority, you get to do kind of what you want. So um, I will, I will be interested. I'll be watching closely to see how the NDP responds. I expect that there will be a lot of um, pointed questions for the new government in the House. Uh, The NDP, I don't know if we talked about the critic roles last week. I can't remember. The weeks just all blur together. But I think the NDP has kind of assembled their their main uh, people to be doing the cross-examination of the government to some of their strongest performers in question period. You have Sarah Hoffman as the education uh, shadow minister or critic or whatever you want to call it. And she was the main... Uh, The main sniper, I guess you you could say during the election campaign, and you have Shannon Phillips, who was one of the stronger NDP performers in in the legislature when they were government as the finance critic. Um, And so, you you know, these are two of Rachel Notley's most trusted MLAs. You you know that they'll be going hard after the government. So it'll be kind of fascinating to watch that happen. And I spoke to um, NDP leader Rachel Notley as well last weekend about her plans in opposition. And they're going to be going after some of the issues that weren't resolved during the election campaign related Mm -hmm. to individual MLAs, I think. So that includes the RCMP investigation with uh, Peter Singh. That includes as well the controversy around Mark Smith, who's not a cabinet minister, of course, but was took heat for comments he made during a sermon that were homophobic. Um, so I think we'll also see some of uh, some of the, yeah, the issues that, you know, we didn't necessarily get resolutions to um, brought up in, in QP. Jason Nixon also says that there, might, there will be a standing order um, to ban desk thumping. Yeah, no desk thumping? Yeah, I don't know, man. 
That makes it boring. Sounds crazy to me. What next? No questions. Can they ban softballs? Actually, while we're, I know that you'll Softball take away questions. all your gif, your gif fun. Yeah. Uh, Why would you Twitter do that? during question period? Why would you want because to take away my fun Because they're a waste of the house. They are time. a waste no, of I, everyone's time. I actually time. agree with you. I, I'm not a big fan of puffballs, which is why I always tweet out cute little animals yeah. whenever they ask. It would be awesome if they banned those. There's an idea. I'm interested to see whether or not they do, in fact, um, continue with those because early on, Jason Kenny was like, I don't understand how come that's happening. Because they don't have it in Ottawa and Jason Kenny had been in Ottawa for yeah. 20 years. Yeah. I mean, the idea of them is, I understand the idea of them, is that you're in MLA, you get to question the government about stuff that concerns your constituency. The reality is, though, that's not what they're used for. They're they're used as a way for the government to promote itself, for the government to be like, oh, hey, so you've got this new program. Oh, hey, yeah, let me tell you more about it. It's just ridiculous. It's basically, how awesome are you? Yeah. I'm this awesome. Really awesome. Yeah. That's exactly what they are, and they are a waste of the house's time. I agree with you, Dave. I don't know if they're going to ban them or not, though. I don't know if they're going to change that at all. They should. If any of you are listening, (laughs) stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't drink like a dum-dum this weekend and ruin it and stop puffballs. Yes. Good. That's the takeaway. (laughs) And with that, let's move over to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things we've seen or listened to lately that we think you might also enjoy. Clancy, you want to kick us off, mate? Sure. I'm going to give a shout-out to – I'm recommending a podcast, surprise, surprise, and I want to give a shout-out to the person who recommended it to me, um, Dave Lazzarino, who used to be a journalist here, Laz. Um, He recommended this podcast, and it was really fantastic. It's called The Last Days of August, um, and it's just this really wonderful – a uh, series that is very compassionate reporting about um, the suicide of a uh, of a porn star in Las Vegas, or sorry, the suicide of a porn star in Los Angeles, and um, just the fallout in her in, in her community because it was linked to internet bullying, or so it seemed at the time. And it's just a really wonderful piece of journalism, and it's a it's a binge worthy series for sure. Fantastic, Elise. Um. It's an. I found it really interesting. It's from the Globe and Mail, an opinion piece from um, a freelancer called Naomi, Naomi Buck. Um, it's called "When Kids Dread Recess, We Have a Problem." So the premise of the article is that um, bullying is one of the things that contributes to bullying is when kids are outside and they just have nothing to do. They have very little supervision and they have you know basically bare school fields and some static playground equipment, which we've all seen. She says that causes bullying because when people have nothing to do, they tend to pick on each other. So I asked my son if he liked recess or not, and he, he it was totally the same problem. He said, no, he doesn't like it because there's nothing to do. And I was I was really caught off guard because I always I kind of loved recess when I was a kid. And it's so important for like running around, right? So this is kind of off my regular beat, but <laughs> I'm fascinated by this idea. So I'm planning to dig into it further. And um, at my own school, I asked the principal about it, and it turned out yeah, they did have a bunch of balls that the kids could play with, but they had been kicked up on the roof and the janitorial guys found them and they put them in a bag in the basement where nobody saw them for a long time. So now they've brought them back out and recesses are more fun. But I don't know. I thought that was such an interesting idea. Anyway, there'll be the link there. I'm going to recommend a couple of things out from Australia this week. Um Those who follow politics closely uh, may know that our former Prime Minister, Bob Hawke, passed away aged 89. He was the Prime Minister when I was a kid from like 83 through to 91. He established Medicare in Australia. He kind of opened Australia up, really floated the dollar. Um, Bob Hawke, of course, was known for holding the world record to skull uh, a litre of beer. So 
he was a real he was a real guy. Um, I did all kinds of stuff down in Australia. He was kind of like, you know how there's things in your childhood that you just assume can never die? For me, that's Bob Hawke because every, as I grew up, you know, realizing about news and about politics, he was the he was the PM and then Paul Keating was the PM. Anyway, he's just died. Um, there's a raft of amazing pieces on abc.net. .au, that is um, the public broadcaster down in Australia. Highly recommend it. Um, I will post a couple of links on our website. Also, there is a federal election in Australia on Saturday, May 18. So I guess that's technically going to be in a few hours here. Friday here is Saturday there. It's also my aunt's birthday. So my family, being the political nerds that we are, are having a sausage sizzle um, birthday, democracy sausage birthday for my aunt. Bunch of nerds. Um, so I highly recommend you follow along the results there just because, yeah, it's Australia. It's interesting. Uh, <laughs> Dave, take us home, mate. All right. I'm going to recommend a podcast as well. TSN has launched its first narrative style podcast. It's called Durbano. It is about, uh, Steve Durbano, who was one of the most vicious goons in pro hockey during the seventies. And after his playing career was over, he wound up addicted to cocaine and alcohol and he, you know, went to prison and kind of, so it traces his time in hockey and after hockey and how his life kind of fell apart. And a couple episodes in, it's a good listen so far. Fantastic. Guys, thank you so much for joining me, Claire Clancy, Elise Stolte, Dave Breckenridge, here for another episode of The Press Gallery. We will, of course, be back next week with more... We'll go over probably what's happened for the first couple of days of session. Um, Of course, do recommend us to your friends. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star rating. You can subscribe. In fact, you probably should subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, which is very cool as well. We'll be back again this time next week with more Press Gallery. Press Gallery.